You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. episode we'll be talking about the flying burrito brothers the gilded palace of sin in the room i have sean hi rob mm-hmm. adam mm-hmm. andrew hey. and ben hi the gilded palace of sin is the first album by the country rock group the flying burrito brothers it was released february 1969 on AM records and the producer is harry lou and larry marks the genre is country rock and from all music review mark deming By 1969, Graham Parsons had already built the foundation of the country rock movement through his works with the International Submarine Band and the Birds. But his first album with the Flying Burrito Brothers, The Gilded Palace of Sin, was where he revealed the full extent of his talents, and it ranks among the finest and most influential albums the genre would ever produce. Parsons was rarely as strong as a vocalist as he was here and was fortunate enough to be working with a band who truly added to his vision, rather than simply backing him up. The distorted swoops of Jerry Sneaky Peak Canals, a fuzz-toned steel guitar, provides a perfect bridge between country and psychedelic rock, and Chris Hillman's strong and supportive harmony vocals blend flawlessly with Parsons. While the gilded palace of sin barely registered on the pop culture radar in 1969, Literally dozens of bands would find inspiration in the music and enjoy far greater success, but no one ever brought rock and country together quite like the Flying Burrito Brothers, and this album remains their greatest accomplishment. All right, what do we think of I love that yeah. Flying Burrito Brothers? <laughs> so good. This album has everything that I dislike about that Crosby, Stills, and that. I mean, it's like, it's got weird edge, moments of strangeness, genre blending, uh, better vocal choices, like... This sounds great. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was great pretty, pretty incredible. I mean, being one of the first country rock, but also bringing in that hard, like fuzz tone guitar and the fuzzed so out sort of yeah, Ooh, everything it sounds so natural. Well, so, to us, do I, you think that it did what Sweetheart of the Rodeo didn't do in yes. your opinion? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I, yep. I listened to this and I thought this is exactly what I would have wanted that Sweetheart of the Rodeo to be. Yeah, I was and, thinking the same thing. It's all the best things that Sweetheart of the Radio had to offer and just distilled into like one good solid record without any skippers or anything. And it sounds cool. Yeah. I think that's the other thing is it's like you can picture like young people who never listen to country really hearing this and being like, country's cool. But these, like, these yeah. harmonies, they're like Everly Brothers harmonies, yeah. you know? Or maybe even like this song's almost like 
it feels almost like a Leuven Brothers song. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I, I just feel like it, it makes so much sense. This is the kind of like record that makes so much sense in this book. That's not like one of the big records that's obvious. You know, right, this is the yeah. kind of stuff that like you're you're hoping that you like. I'd heard this before because Ben introduced me to this I think years ago, and but like. This is the kind of record you're looking for in a book like this when you go out and you're saying, I want to go back and listen and hear something I might not have heard. Uh, it's not like, you know, like some massive Beatles album. Right. Yeah, yeah. You, you would have to dig through, you know, country rock or be familiar with like Graham Parsons. I feel like Sweetheart of the Rodeo probably gets a little more, what? Notoriety. It's a bigger they, album. If you it's don't, got the birds. Like name if you don't know it. the yeah. history of it, you know it, it says the birds. Like yeah. you don't. Yeah. You don't know what's actually happening behind the scenes of the birds, which is everything that's like that band was falling apart and being usurped. <laughs> yeah. You know? Also, like all these songs are about something, which I think we're missing a lot in a lot of these '60s records. Like people are just kind of stringing words together. You know, like we're talking about cross style. And just, yeah, and exactly, and like. These songs are very personal, and you can tell there's like an actual situation there. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's like it's an individual talking about his experience, and not like you know, just hey, what about peace? It's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's there's definitely some songs about like that was like uh, I'm gonna listen a little closer. Uh, like what did this lady do? Like mm-hmm. there, there's definitely some. Uh, he's critical of women. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought I, I didn't listen closely enough to see how critical. Are you referring <laughs> I, to Christine's tune. Well, there's like the oh, what the first song is something about like That's Christine's a, Christine's okay, Christine's yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I love that the whole song. There's a couple though. Through all the lyrics, they're ambiguous on who this person is, and yeah. then they call it Christine's too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder who it is. I mean, you, you could also kind of tell like like do right woman is totally his like no I'm woke like <laughs> it's like that's not really it. You know? Yeah, uh, that was an interesting cover, and mm-hmm. I liked the cover. Mm-hmm. And as I listened to it, I was like, just listening to it through a modern lens and, and being like, huh, all right. I don't know. But yeah. <laughs> It's like, oh, women are people too. You, you gotta fuck them. <laughs> That's not well, good advice, friend. <laughs> it's, lyrically, it's a, it's a gender swap it's like, on that song. Is it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wait, who does the original? I don't even know the original. Aretha, Aretha. Right? Aretha. Oh. I should know more about. Oh, it. Oh, are you kidding? Like, yeah. oh, that's like yeah. one of the greatest songs. I yeah. have I have some major blind spots in my life. Aretha is not to be missed. Well, top, we, I will listen to it. Top ten recording artist for me. So, oh, I'm just saying we we covered that oh, album. I skipped that one. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> I've been so, busy. <laughs> so, Do right, woman, and uh, the next track after it, dark into the street. Those are the two covers on the Did record. Did Wilson Pickett write that one? He didn't write it. He performed it. Obviously, I know he made it famous. Yeah. But like, it was both of those... Or was it Percy Sledge? Both of those albums were written... Uh, the last name's Penn. Do you know the first Penn name? Penn and uh, Chips uh, Moman. Hmm? Chips Moman and Penn. Hans Moman? Wrote, uh, no. Wrote Chips that song? Moman and Dan Penn. Yeah. They Dan, wrote that song? Dan Penn is a both writer on Do Right Woman and Dark End of the Street. Oh, so that must be the guy the, from Chips The Commitments? Was, the Irish guy? It's the Irish guy from <laughs> yeah. The Commitments, yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah, Chip, <laughs> Chips was a uh, Stax. Hmm. Okay. They got other, unlike unlike a Bird's record, other than these two soul songs, the rest of its original material written by multiple multiple members of the group. Nary a Bob Dylan song. Nary to be a Bob found. Dylan song. <laughs> and I do like that the the two covers that they do. Well, one of them they one of them they do a gender swap on it, but then both of them 
they turned the whole stylistically on its head. Like they, they're R and B songs. You know. Yep. That, I. That's cool. Like so, unlike all of you who are from like South Midwest Appalachia zone, I'm from the Northeast, and there's not a lot of like old country to be had up there. So this is totally outside of my wheelhouse. But I think pretty much every day for the past year, maybe longer, I've listened to Dark End of the Street. Like every <laughs> single day of my life, I put that song on. It but just, it's perfect. This version? Yep. Mm-hmm. Wow. I like the song. Yeah. You know, uh, the the song, it's, it's, it's not about uh, two lovers. It's about two dudes that were cheating at a card game. Wow. No. <laughs> yes. Really? Yes. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at least, at least. Could they that, at least be like cheating on each other too? Well, maybe. Let me I'll look it up for you. Yeah. Uh, th- this week was the first time I listened to this record. I just it never came across my uh, my ear holes, and yeah, the whole whole fucking record. Uh, aside from Hippie Boy, it was the only like song I was like, eh. Like every other song on it, I was like, fuck yeah, and yeah. like it and it going towards uh. The authenticity aspect and, uh, like, th- all of this seems like, I'm writing a rock record, and I'm into rock and roll, and I'm into country, and this is the record that came out. Like, Feels it, genuine. It, it, it genuine, yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I kind of felt like the birds were, were like, covering oh, yeah, absolutely. rock so- or sorry, country songs, and this is very much them saying, no, this is just what we like, yeah, the, 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 and we're... You know, the birds doing. are robotically good at at any anything that they they touch. It just, but it's like you know, ah, oh, this is how you humans play the guitar, <laughs> and you know your country music. <laughs> um, but yeah, this, this this actually has like um, you know, some uh, some rawness to it, and uh, yeah, it, it, it's beautiful and. I'm surprised I hadn't heard of it. At the dark end of the street That's where we'll always meet Hiding in shadows where we don't belong Living in darkness to hide summer of 1966, while a DJ convention was being held in Memphis, uh, Penn and Momin, uh, the two writers, were cheating while playing cards with Florida DJ Don Schroeder and decided to write the song while on a break. Penn said of the song, we were always wanting to come up with the best cheating song ever. So it's not necessarily about playing cards, but it was in, the two writers were cheating playing cards and decided they wanted to write a song about cheating. Okay, because honestly, since you said that, I haven't heard a thing any of you have said because I can't stop thinking about that. So I'm really glad you cleared it up. <laughs> it's playing our headphones right now. They're going to find and us it, someday. Yeah. <laughs> and now it seems dangerous. Yeah. It always seemed a little dangerous, but damn. Yeah, I never cheat cards when playing a DJ. No. I am a DJ. <laughs> so, so this, uh, it sold, you know, 50,000 copies and... People have said, just like the first Velvet Underground, it had the same impact where... Who, it didn't sell many, but... But who heard it, all those people picked up on what they were DJs. doing. And, Everyone and that heard this album formed joined Wilco. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they had to join the Eagles and Clint Black and... 
who Randy Travis and all those other bands. I wonder how many records it's Dwight sold Yoko. now. It says it to date. Uh, they have still not certified it gold. Really? Wow. I will and say that I purchased this record two weeks ago. Not like outside of this. I had no idea this was the album we have coming up. And I have played it on the radio twice. So nice. I am contributing. It's still out there, yeah. To the economy of the Gilded Par- Palace <laughs> of Sin. Was it a reissue? Or You're in the yeah, pocket of reissue. Big Gilded Palace of Sin. <laughs> you bet. You bet I am. And yeah, as far as those streams go, I Spotify Dark on the Street every single day. <laughs> there you go. Come crazy. Gotta get those One a day. Up. Yep. <laughs> I love when you find a song like that that you're just like, yep, yeah. it's me. Exactly. It's my jam. I don't know <laughs> what it is. I've always loved it. It's the best feeling. It's a yeah. cool song. So the the Spotify plays on this, obviously Wild Horses is, is, is not number, on this one. number one. It's not on this record, but it's obviously the it's their number one. Uh, but then the next one was Hot Burrito number one, and it has 1 million, uh, you know, 700,000 plays. That's really That's low. Super pretty low. low. That's pretty low very, for like for low. like a legendary band. Exactly. Yeah, high for a song with the word burrito in the title. <laughs> Fair, but like, I, okay, I keep an eye on the amount of streams that Wicked Game by Chris Isaac gets over time. <laughs> Whoa. I have a little notebook at work. <laughs> That's so funny. I was just talking about him today. Yeah, and uh, he's got like... Last I checked, I think it was like 90 some, 92 million. Just, Wicked Games is a banger. That's oh, a, yeah. I got a Wicked Game tattoo recently. What? Whoa. I did. It was crazy. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> hey, can, maybe you can answer this question because earlier at dinner, uh, like, is it on that same record that this, there's a song that's like, and maybe it's that one. I've just, I haven't heard it for a while. It's like Baby Done a Bad Thing. Nope. They, yeah, yeah it's on that same record. Bad, bad no. It's not? Is it no, not on that record? It's not bad on Wicked Game. Is no, it Chris Isaac for, though? Forever Blue is that, and that's the first track on it. Okay, because I had oh, it's Forever Blue. Yeah, because I had those oh. records, and earlier the dog did something. that was like, "Rub it on a bear." Oh. <laughs> like it was, and I was um, just like, "I think that's Chris Isaac." But that, oh, you know that what? one's called a uh, Heart Shaped World. Yeah, okay. I've been listening to them on a comp. That's fine. Okay, I know Are they Chris in the book? Yeah, I like them too. I think it's great. I'm not a super fan. I just got it permanently etched on my body. Like no big deal. Who can fight? What did you say? Oh, who would win in a fight, Chris Isaac or Harry Connick? I've Jr.? never seen Harry Connick in a fight, but I've seen Chris Isaac fight in Fire Walk with me. Oh, so oh. probably Chris Isaac then. Harry's seemed, big though. He He's seemed kind of awkward, and I think Harry Connick probably has got some size on him. I think they'd both be like, you know, let's solve our problems through the majesty of music. And they <laughs> yeah. would write a really... Oh, a girl can dream. <laughs> Have you seen the video where Harry Connick Jr. gets an entire stadium full of people? To oh. clap on the twos and fours instead of the ones and threes. Yeah, by throwing a measure five. of five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And his band, the, his band follows him. That is the coolest moment in music history. As yeah. far, like, <laughs> I've seen that. So many people have shown that to me, and it's like, is such a. I wish I wish that I had the savviness <laughs> to just nah, fuck it. Like, <laughs> like, like I'm gonna fix them. Like, it's incredible. And no one in that room was the wiser. And, and he like, like I'm laughs. still listening to the song. <laughs> and he laughs, and then like someone in his band is like ha, <laughs> and it's just between them. And then, oh, music jokes. Yeah. How about the Burrito Brothers? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like the <laughs> they're making us happy. Yes. Yeah, yeah. This episode, above all, like demonstrates all my blind spots. You're welcome. <laughs> but I love this record. Yeah. I love it so much. Dude, how about that guitar fuzz tone in Wheels, which we're listening to right now? Mm-hmm. Your she will hear right now. Yes. Yeah. Ooh, real it's cool. Deep. Yeah. 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 Love the fuzz tone. Yeah. It brings real character, and they use it on some of the uh, slide, mm-hmm. and it's. Yeah, it's just... They also did the slide a, through a, a Leslie. 
Yeah, I mean, they were picking up on a lot of what that sort of West Coast rock that was going on, and man, bless them for for bringing it to country music. It fits perfectly. It's one of those things that you don't necessarily know how it's going to work until mm-hmm. it happens, and then when it happens, well, I, w- I will say Grand one, Parsons, what, like one criticism I would have of the record is there's what <laughs> um, there's a lot of like that I, I love like the heavily affected slide guitar but there's a lot of like noodling like in the middle of 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 like verses and stuff and it's like it can be kind of distracting you talking um, smack on sneaky Pete no I would, no, I would never <laughs> um, I mean it's conspicuous Pete and it, <laughs> I'm not sneaking in the noodles it doesn't like take away to the to the effect of making it a bad record or difficult to listen to, it's just like the one thing that like sticks out where it's like, oh, I wish I could hear this. He's not choosing when to play, right? So yeah. you think he's uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like he's jumping on the vocals, basically. Yeah, yeah. Like he's it's not but, laying back. Yeah, a bit. And I even kind of like that in 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 a, in a certain way because it, it kind of adds to that sort of looser. Yeah, but you know. Yeah, that's a good comment. I don't know much about... I just didn't... I wanted to take him down a peg. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know much about how a steel guitar is tuned. I think it's a fascinating machine, and I don't know much about it. But I read... A pedal steel? Is that what you're talking about? A pedal steel. Yeah. Yeah. But I read that Sneaky Pete had his tuned unconventionally to, like... Where it wasn't, like, tuned to, like, the root or whatever. It was tuned to some complimentary note of whatever it was... I don't know if like he just like was like self-taught and kind of just figured it out a weird way or what, but like pedal steel players think that Sneaky Pete's pedal steel playing is weird, and I think that that's cool. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, yeah. he's got. Style. I've heard that before yeah. too. Like he, the the way you would normally do it, like you'd be moving around and like playing like an, open G, uh, yeah, like an yeah. open kind of thing. But he couldn't do that because of the way it was tuned, and he had to sort of like do these sort of like, noodly melody work around kind of things. Totally. first record that's popped up where i haven't had to really question why i like it you know it's just like oh this is just good it's a really good mix of tunes too like it's not just like all one style like they they have sweet tunes in there they have like really good rockers like and it's sequenced really well like it's it's not like off-putting or anything can we say maybe this is more i'm just musing here but like if i was to try to pick something from the very dense selection of like San Francisco late 60s stuff that's in this book. To me, I think this might be my favorite and I haven't been here every week, but like, I of mean, like the California, of the California, like kind of like, like hippie. I mean, this is a mixture obviously, but like, I was going to say, this seems like a completely different area where it's, they're it's doing still in there though where they're is, doing a nashville they are pioneers yeah 
Yeah. But I mean, like, from, I think a lot of it people still feels like San Francisco. I mean, it's Grand Parsons. Like, yeah. yeah. A lot of people right. would There's probably a lot of California argue with you, like, sure. the Doors or some a band like that, or even, like, Jefferson Airplane or... I don't know. For me, Some like, that stuff. this might be the one that I choose to play more than yeah. the Forever others. Forever Changes. Love. Yeah. Um, I did listen the hell out of that. I mean, I, I listened to that for like a decade, so. Um, but I don't know. This this I could see listening to for the rest of my life and just being like, that's a nice record. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Can we talk about... The nudie uh, suit? Specifically, <laughs> sneaky oh. peeps. Okay, like they're Tell all great. The nudie suit. Explain what a nudie suit is okay. for the listeners who don't. Know. So, <laughs> a, a nudie suit is one of those. Well, technically, it must be made by what nudies of Hollywood, nudies like Hollywood tailors Cohen. or whatever. Yeah, nudie nude, Cohen. Nudie Cohen. But it, anymore, it really just describes any of those heavily rhinestone, customed uh, Western suits. But the Brito Brothers were actually made by Nudie Cohen. Mm-hmm. They are legit nudie suits. Graham Parsons is dope. It's a white suit. It's got poppies on the shoulders and hips. It's got um, cannabis leaves going through it and then pills down the sleeves. <laughs> <laughs> and then on the back it has a Christian cross. Oh, my God. Amazing. Naked women. So it's dope. Oh, yeah, anyways. naked women on the lapels. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> Holy shit. And then, uh, like, Chris Hillman and Eldridge, uh, they've both got, you know, just nice, like, traditional-looking ones. They look like they could fit right in with the buckaroos. But then Sneaky Pete's is, like, a one-piece, and it's dark, and it just has a giant yellow pterodactyl across the front. Yes. <laughs> Dinosaur <laughs> it's, it's enthusiast. Like a, it's like a tunic. So you can see all their suits on the cover of the album, too. And if you want to see it in person, his is at the Country Music Hall of Fame uh, Graham Parsons is. Well, you can buy uh, a $65 Graham Parsons t-shirt that just says Graham Parsons on it. <laughs> you see that nudie suit? Oh, yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> I think they have like a... He looks like a, a, it looks like a gorilla suit with just a uh, pterodactyl. Yeah, his doesn't it. look like tailored at all. Yeah. It's like a, 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 a poncho with a pterodactyl. Maybe he has a wide body. <laughs> he just he wasn't does. there when there were measurements. <laughs> Do you guys hear a lot of uh, big star? Oh, yes. yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Especially like it, right now, we're listening to Hot Burrito Number Two. Yeah. I hear a lot in that yeah. one. Yeah. No, it's weird how like something like this could could kind of skew toward power pop. Like you wouldn't think it would ever get there, but it yeah. t- totally does. It right. Makes perfect yeah. sense. Uh, so how do we feel? I'm on. Is obviously, there... is, is is anybody not going to just say positive? No, I all positive, right? Yeah. yeah. Positive. Okay. Absolutely. Good job, boys. Unanimous. Yeah. Nailed hey. it. Rare unanimous. I was talking yeah. about the Burrito Brothers. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> You did a good job too, Sean. Yeah. Thanks. If you want to see the back, the front. Oh boy. Uh, does anybody have any other uh, facts they want to say about the Burrito Brothers? Uh, this. Oh, so when Rolling Stone asked Bob Dylan what his favorite country rock record was, uh, I forget the actual verbatim quote, but this is Bob Dylan's favorite country rock record, at least at this point. Which I mean, like you know, there were four or five. So it was his favorite of the ones that were available. He dumped on the birds. He, he dumped, he, yeah. It, it was his perfect opportunity to throw some gratitude he's heard, he's to the birds who had given him so many royalty checks. He's like, nah, Burrito Brothers. All right, next time we'll be talking about Johnny Cash at San Quentin. Thanks, y'all.